Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. And we are back from a wonderful vacation in Montana. We've got a lot of our experiences to share with you. On this episode, we are going to start an overview of not only going to Glacier National Park, but we're going to dive into additional things that if you're thinking about going to Glacier National Park, what else you might do while you're in the state of Montana? Because for those of us who don't live there, and most people don't, there is quite a bit to see. So this is going to be the first of several episodes. So Mm -hmm, today we're going to basically just be focusing on if you're thinking about getting out to Glacier National Park, what might you want to think about for planning your trip? And after today, when we get back with you in the coming weeks, we'll talk about packing for Glacier, what to do specifically within the park with the great detail. You know, we'll share with you what we did. And then we'll dive into a whole bunch of things that we did while we were in the state of Montana. So we killed about two weeks on our recent trip. Could have done more. Could have kept going. But now it's time to share our experiences with you. Because as we say, one of the reasons we're here is to help you plan your future adventures. So why do we decide to go to Glacier? Well, we're big national park fans. And we want to hit as many national parks as we can. Even the one in American Samoa. Well, yeah, probably. (laughs) Maybe Maybe someday. Maybe someday. So we plan to make this trip actually in 2020. And we started the planning in 2019. You started the planning in 2019 and you actually had booked hotels you you booked a lot of things oh it was it was wonderful we were all set to go yeah yeah and then everybody knows what happened you know then the covid bomb hit so we had to cancel everything and because we were not able to even get into the national park because everything was shut down we got a credit for the airlines and we needed to use that so we said hey we got that glacier trip, so let's do it again. Let's plan it again. And you had to go through the whole planning process again, mm-hmm. rebook hotels, re- you know, rebook the, especially the car rental, because that was a big problem because for some reason the rentals are short, there's a shortage of them. So thank goodness you had that all set. So that's what happened. And we, you started planning like way, way, way before we were going to go. And, and there's good reason for that. Yeah. So we'll get into that in a second. I am going to say, though, when you brought up, you know, why we decided to go to Glacier and yeah, we're fans of the national parks, you know, it's not until just a, several years ago that it, Glacier was even on my personal radar. I was familiar with places like Yellowstone, the Grand Canyon. I mean, there's, there's those national parks that I had heard of growing up, had seen here and there. But we had been watching a show called Rock the Park. 
you know, these two guys that go to the oh, different... Oh, with Jack and... Um... Colton. Colton. Jack and Colton. So they have this TV show where they bounce around from national park to national park. And because we like the national parks, we've watched that. And they both seem to have this great affinity for Glacier. And we saw an episode or two where they... Well, Jack's from that area. Yeah. So, and that kind of brings up the point, too. I was very familiar with national parks that were close to me in Mm -hmm. California, Mm -hmm. in our area. And so that was always familiar to me. You heard about it. As a kid, there was too many of us to, to travel. So we really never traveled a lot to the national parks. But we certainly dreamed about going. So th- that was one of the conduits that exposed me to Glacier. And because they hyped it up so much, I thought, hey, then we, sh- we should go there. And you and I decided we should go there. But then... Our, our yeah. life's different from our childhood. I mean, you... It was just... It's very different. Your parents weren't real big on going out to these types of uh, park areas. Yeah. I think your dad was, but your mom definitely yeah. wasn't. But... I mean, even, I guess, families aside, I don't remember hearing about Glacier just even like in pop culture or, you know, magazines, oh, newspapers. I think I, I did. I, you know, I may have stumbled across it here and there, but it just never stuck with me as, uh, you know, potentially being one of the national parks yeah. that I really should get to. Maybe it's because my Aunt Sharon was a cowgirl and Montana's cowgirl country. Okay. Well, anyways... <laughs> Finally got on our radar, and then it became time to start planning. So the first time out, when we started planning this in 2019 to go in 2020, which then got canceled, like you said, I think we started planning that maybe about six to eight months before we would have actually gone out. And I remember at that time, it struck me that, hey, Things had been starting to book up really early because many of the places that we do plan to go to have a window of six months before. So, you know, we had a few episodes ago, we talked about Sequoia National Park. There's many things we do in California where the booking windows don't open until six months before. So I've got that six month time frame plastered in my brain. So when it got to Glacier, it was like, Jesus, already eight months before stuff's already booked. So when the opportunity came to try to do the planning process again, I thought, ha ha, I'm going to show them. I'm going to start booking it one year in advance. And And lo and behold. Yeah. So June, 2020, I started booking for June, 2021. And I'm starting to get on some of the lodging sites and there's like stuff sold out already. Mm -hmm. Room, you know, some Mm -hmm. premier rooms are gone. I'm like, what's going on? And it turns out for some of the lodging in Glacier, they will start taking reservations up to 13 months in advance. So one of the top tips would be if you're planning to go to Glacier and you want to stay at a particular place in a particular type of room, again, the early bird gets the worm. Mark your calendar for about 13 months out and get that planning started early. You need to get those reservations in. Yeah. I think probably the most important thing is the lodging. Yeah. Um, the, Especially within the park itself. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, the main things you're going to need to think about are where are you going to stay? How are you going to get there? How are you going to get around once you're there? And then, you know, some other odds and mm-hmm. ends. But mm-hmm. where you're going to stay is probably going to be the thing that's going to be the most precious commodity that everybody's going to be after. So put that on your list first. But as you're doing that... 
You also need to think about, hey, if I get out to Glacier National Park, what am I going to want to do? Which then leads you down the road of how many days are you going to want to be there? And you need to know that so that when you are booking a room, you know how many nights to book it for. So that takes us into planning your itinerary. Okay, so you finally decided you want to go to Glacier Park. And the planning begins, and you need to figure out how many days you're going to be gone, first of all, what you can take off. Glacier Park is huge. It is an absolutely huge park. It takes a lot of days to see the things in this park. You could get it done in a week, easily, knowing that there is a west side and a east side in Glacier and both of them are very different. So you decide I want to go to the west or the east side. Let's start with the west. We started in the west. There were a lot of options outside of the park. There was lodging, there was restaurants. Well, when I say a lot, I mean, it's not easy to get something. So again, think in terms of I've got to plan this early because you've got thousands of people that are doing the same thing. And there, quite frankly, isn't enough lodging in that area for all these people. So you want to do this super early. We decided that we were going to try to be as close to the park entrance as we could. So in doing this early, we were very fortunate to find something that suited us really, really well. And we wanted to do two nights on the west side, Initially, we thought we were going to be able to drive across the very famous Sun Road in Glacier Park. And that road is, it's part of the destination. You want to, you know, it's, it's driving across the Sun Road because it's so, so beautiful. You need to think in terms of Montana's weather. So Montana's weather has very cold winters and in the Glacier area, this snow is quite, quite heavy and it takes a lot to clear this sun road. Well, in our planning, before we knew this before we even left, there was not a possibility for us to drive from West Glacier to East Glacier because the sun road was closed due to, I think they had actually cleared it, but there's a lot of other steps that go into clearing the road and making it passable for others. Um, You have the issue of possible avalanches. If there's too much snow up there that could fall onto the road, you have rock slides. There's a water issue. They have to make water available for people going across this road. And there's testing that has to happen to make sure that the water is drinkable. So there's all these things that are going on before they will even open up that road. They opened it up July 1st of this year. And uh, we had already left. So we had to take the other route that goes around to the east side of the park, which was very pretty, actually. It was was gorgeous. I enjoyed the the drive, but we never did that famous sun road. So we will be back. Um, While we were on the west side, we uh, entered the park and they have hikes. I mean, they have trails, they have several that you could take. Uh, Since it was the sun road was closed, we had to stop at a certain point and take the available hike to us, which was the avalanche lake, which was, we loved it. You know, we had a great time. There's other hikes you can take off before the avalanche lake. If you want to walk around 
So if somebody's going to spend time on the west side of the park, what are some of the things that you remember that are available to a tourist on the west side of Glacier? You can drive and and enjoy the scenery. You can stop and uh, take a trailhead and hike to different areas in the trailhead. Some are more popular than others. Mm -hmm. Popular Um, ones being, do you remember, on the west side? The Avalanche Lake. That was a popular one. They also had Trail of the Cedars, which was very nice because it had a boardwalk. And for anybody that was ADA, um, it was perfect for them. Um, They could take a nice, beautiful stroll around the foresty area. There was a couple of spring water areas there. It was very pretty. Mm -hmm. On the east side, the most popular hike is Grinnell Glacier. It's a stunning, stunning view as you're walking along this uh, trail of Grinnell Lake and then you can go further and get up to Grinnell Glacier. The height splits and you can go directly to Grinnell Lake and go to that coast on there and just look up to the glacier and that's that's a gorgeous view too. Do you remember when we were planning to get up there and when we were thinking about the hikes that we wanted to do, the main obstacle that came in our way for hiking planning? We went in early June and there's still snow. And I kept kind of looking to to see, okay, are there going to be obstacles? And there was. The snow had prevented us from taking the Sun Road all the way through. It also prevented us from finishing the Grinnell Glacier hike because of hazards from ice bridges and and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you could not get to the glacier. So while that was open to us, it it closed about a mile before like the official end of the trail. But I remember we had planned several big hikes. So there was something like called the Highline Trail, a few other trails that were notable that were on our list. And then couple of weeks before it was time to go we're looking on the national park website come to find that at least half of the trails we identified were not going to be possible at that time of year so uh, you could actually go on to the nps glacier website and it will give you breakdowns of the average time that the sun road opens up the average time that these hikes open up and If you look at that, you can decide, you know, if you want to take these hikes, that you can plan your trip later on in the summer. Yeah. It it will be more crowded uh, later on in the summer. But if you don't mind that, you know, and you want to take these epic hikes, then it's something you'll have to do later. Yeah. And I think that's the trade-off is the earlier in the summer season that you plan to go, probably the less fighting that you're going to have to do to get the lodging, et cetera. But as we found out, there was going to be several things that were going to be closed to us just because of the weather conditions. And then if you go later in the summer season, when you've got almost certainty that going to the Sun Road is open and most of the key hiking trails are open, there's such a limited window of time, especially when you think about the summer season, that's conducive to doing all these things that I think planning a trip to Glacier is more difficult than almost anywhere else because the the window is so small that you can do everything. Yeah. The other thing on the NPS website for Glacier National Park, and I just stumbled across this, is because of the COVID era, because there is an incredible increase in people visiting the national parks, 
they implemented a reservation system to actually even drive the Sun Road. And it's probably going to stay in place for the entire season up there in Glacier right now. Mm -hmm. And who knows if it's something that worked for them that they felt comfortable with, they may keep that system. So keep your, your eyes open and keep visiting that site to see if you need to get a reservation to drive the Sun Road or if they've lifted that restriction. So do you remember how that reservation thing worked? Well, you did it. I told you about it. And you went on whatever website that you needed to, and you reserved the, I think it was like a seven-day window. Yeah, I think it was recreation.gov. It was. Yeah. Yes. And there was a cost for the reservation, but it was was super modest. So it was Mm -hmm. something like two bucks a day, probably no, Mm -hmm. no more than $3 a day. And I think you could either do it for one day or two days or like up to a week, knowing that we were going to be there several days. We, we got a week's pass. But there was a lot of people that didn't know about that advanced reservation thing. And so for everybody else, if you didn't have the ticket, once you got to the gate, you're not driving on going to the Sun Road on the west side or the east side, and you can only get in after 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. So we had you know several days where there was lines of cars, and they were waiting for 5 p.m. to hit so mm-hmm. they could get into the park. So that's a great point. Do check in the future to see if you're going to need a reservation, because sometimes a place will start something like this, and then they realize, hey, this is a great way to minimize traffic, and then it mm-hmm. continues on into the future. So that's a few ideas of things you can do inside Glacier National Park. And many of the things you mentioned, Julie, are hiking related. So this is one of those parks that where you go to, much of what you might do is hiking, 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 hiking. So so that also brings up probably pay attention to if you select a trail, look at the difficulty levels to make sure that you're going to be able to do the hikes that you planned. Because some are relatively easy and some are going to be around the uh, kick your tushy category. Mm -hmm. So plan accordingly. Um, The other thing that's important is if you want to take the boat, uh, if you're on the east side at Manny Glacier, that is something that is reserved and it's reserved way ahead of time. So you need to find out how to contact the boat, which goes from the Swift Current Lake in front of Manny Glacier to a boat dock on one side, on the other side of the Swift Current Lake. You take a quick hop. It's only like, what, 200 yards? Pretty short. Yeah, pretty short over to Josephine Lake. You jump on the boat at Josephine Lake Dock on that side, and it takes you across Josephine Lake to a boat dock on the other side, lets you off, and you're pretty much starting the uphill of the Grinnell Glacier hike. Yeah, so lots of people want to do that hike. They want to get to Grinnell, but they don't want to hike all the way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, one of the ways you can cut down your hiking time is getting on that boat, but if you don't have you can get there yeah. without the boat. The trailhead for Grinnell Glacier starts at Manny Glacier Hotel. Uh, so it's super easy, flat walk that goes around both lakes, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautiful. So there's that boating opportunity. And if you're at Manny Glacier Hotel, there's some other lake activities you can do as well. Yes, the same place that has the boat ride for the trailhead um, across the lakes also has kayaks and canoes. 
And we saw a lot of people out there and it looked fun, but you made a boo-boo on your back. So I said, nope, 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 yeah. we're not doing that. We're saving that story for an, a future yeah. episode. And then at the top of the parking lot at Mini Glacier Hotel, there was something else available for people to do that they might be interested. Do you remember that one? There's a parking lot at Manny Glacier Hotel, and you get there's a lot of stairs. You got to go up to the top, and there's a corral uh, with horses. Well, they bring the horses to that corral. If you want to do a horseback ride trail through the mountains, that's a possibility too. Again, you need to reserve. So you need to find out what company does this, how to get a hold of them. What day you want to do it and reserve that day and uh, probably a, a time. There's longer rides than others. Some are, I think, an hour and then some go like half a day. So they'll give you that information or it could be on the website. So in the park, when you're making your plans, you've got hiking, you've got boating, you've got horseback riding, you've got probably kicking back. So you just want to you know, have some thought as to how many days do you want to devote to these different things and if any of the things that you want to do are, are going to require reservations, get those things booked early. There's a whole bunch of stuff to do inside Glacier National Park, but there's also stuff to do nearby the park, but outside the park. So if you fly in to Glacier, which probably most people are getting there that way, fly into Kalispell. In that town, there's a history museum that you can spend some time there if you're on the west side also on the west side there, outside the park, you've got river rafting. There's those types of outdoor activities, so you can look at those areas or those types of activities in places like Karam, which is probably the closest city just outside the western side. You might even consider going up into Canada if they ever open the border again, because part of the national park actually extends over the border into Canada. So you've, you have the Waterton area. So if you want to get more of the park experience, you can do that. I think it's just a few 30, 40 miles from the eastern side to get up into Canada. The other thing that you might want to do is if you're flying into Montana, and if Montana is not a place that you think you'll be getting to frequently or anytime soon, you might also take a look at something like TripAdvisor to see, hey, once since you're in the state anyways, once you're done with Glacier National Park, are there other things that you may want to do? And as examples, we came across in Great Falls, the Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, in Helena, the Grand Corps Historic Ranch, which is part of the National Park System, and close to Missoula, the Big Hole National Battlefield, which is also part of the national park system. So there's these different things that you can add on to a trip to Glacier that are national park related. And if you make that investment in a plane ticket anyways, and if you have the time, different experiences that you can add to your trip. So those are some additional suggestions. And don't forget, if you decide to go to Canada, if when the border opens up, to bring your passport or you will not be allowed through. Okay, so how are you going to get there? There's the possibility of flying, the possibility of driving. It all depends on where you're coming from and what makes sense to you. And how much time you have. And yeah, so we decided to fly. That was our best option because if we were to take our trailer, it would take us four days 
in each direction to get up there. So we have already chewed up all our time just in driving. With the airlines after this COVID year, we learned that there's more flexibility if you book directly with the airlines versus trying to do it through a a third party like Expedia. Although Expedia is really great for identifying different options that you can take, once you identify those, you would want to call the airlines directly. And that's probably a good idea with the hotels also. I was surprised once the whole COVID thing happened. We had most of our initial reservations done through Expedia. And the process that I had to endure and go through of canceling things and then either getting credits or trying to fight for refunds, especially through Expedia for the airlines, was one of the most frustrating things that I went through last year. And that's where I kind of stumbled across this scenario where it just seems that it would have been a little less painful to go through all of that if we had things booked through the airlines directly. I mean, we've used Expedia probably for a couple of decades, and generally it's been okay. This is the first time that anything like this COVID thing has ever happened, and so hopefully that never happens again. Who knows? But man, was that a painful experience. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, trying to get people on the customer service side to listen to reason, (laughs) from my perspective, we were not on the same page all the time. Yeah. So the other thing you need to think about on planning a trip to Glacier is where you're going to stay. And your choices come to either inside the park or outside the park. And I think both of those have some pros and cons. So if you stay in the park, probably among the pros are you're going to be super close to the activities that you're going to do inside Glacier. But the cons include you've got to book super, super early, like we've mentioned. And then we also learned that Access to food is ridiculously limited, Mm -hmm. even when you have a place like the Mini Glacier Hotel, and we'll get into this in the future, there was so little in terms Mm -hmm. of food options, and there wasn't like stores you can go to. So that's something that we did learn about before we got there, and we'll share in in a couple of minutes with you one of the ways that you can deal with that. But then you also have outside the park options and again, pros and cons. So among the pros, it can be a little less costly if you're staying outside the park. If you happen to travel there by RV, then you have more options to stay outside the park. And then you've got the flexibility of you bring your own food, you've got your own bed. The cons, even with staying outside the park, there are still limited options. Mm -hmm. You've got to book early. And then you've got extended drive time to get from wherever it is that you're staying from that location into the park. So you may have some more driving that you're doing day in, day out. Cost perspective, just to give you all a couple of examples of what we paid. We stayed on the west side at Under Canvas, which was a place outside the park. Just outside the park. Yeah, and that's, I think, what they call a glamping experience. So you're in a tent. It's in a super nice tent that's got a... With a a bed and... King-size bed. Yeah. Sheets. Yeah, they provide all the sheeting and the bedding. Fireplace. You have battery-operated lights and, you know, so it's it's a glamping experience. Yeah. And they've got different models of tents at Under Canvas. We went with the economy type tent that ran us 234 bucks a night. 
when we stayed inside the park on the east side at Mini Glacier Hotel, it was interesting when I did the math on this, that also came out to 234 bucks a night. So plan on probably a minimum of 200 bucks a night if you're doing the lodging that's somewhat close or inside the park. And then again, depending on what you're looking for, the more amenities you're looking for, the better type of upgrade you're looking for, it's just going to go north of that amount. So, you know, we did it. We tried to stay as reasonable on the money side as possible. But just to, again, to give you an example, that's what our costs came in at. So knowing that the food options are limited in the park, we decided that we were going to actually pack our own lunches. And in order to do that, uh, we needed some supplies that would come with us to the places that we were staying at. When we arrived in Kalispell, we stopped at a grocery store and we bought a few items. Um, We bought bread and peanut butter and and honey and some sandwich bags because I knew I had to put them in something. Some cliff bars, uh, bananas. We had gone to the other side of the park at St. Mary's. When we took a trip there, we stopped in a little grocery store there and we bought some um, instant oatmeal. So things like that, those little things that you can get, especially because we went out hiking every day. So it was perfect for us to just do a little peanut butter and honey sandwich, you know, put something in the backpack and go. Yeah. There was a lot of days that when it was time for lunch, we were not near any place that we could have gotten food. So yeah. you know, if we didn't have that, we would have gone yeah. hungry. And yeah. I, I like to eat. And when we arrived at Kalispell and stayed on the West End, there's a Costco there. Yes. So we knew that we wanted to get bear spray from the Costco because we heard it was cheaper there. And sure enough, it was yeah. way cheaper. And um, we also got a big, huge 24-pack of water. Right. Yeah, 24 individual you know, water bottles. Yeah. So that lasted us the whole trip it was just the two of us and i think we tend to drink a lot of water yeah but it it lasted us all the way through our whole vacation time yeah and we used that water to fill up the water bladders in our hiking packs you know every morning before we would go out to hike so you also mentioned the berry spray so we should talk about that if you're going to spend time hiking in glacier national park they not only have bear in the park, but they have the grizzly type of bear, which, which is are more, a little more aggressive than the black bear, which we have in California. Mm-hmm. So bear spray is something you absolutely want to have on your body. You hope that you're not going to be in a situation where you're going to want to think about using it. But as you mentioned, places you can get it include Costco. If you don't go to Costco, I mean, you can get it at the airport. We saw it in grocery, grocery stores, stores. Yeah. but Everywhere else we saw it was much more expensive. I think we ended up getting a two-pack at Costco for, I think it was like 48 Four, bucks. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. And that was pretty much for one in those other places mm-hmm. that we looked. Yeah, so it felt like almost half price at Costco. Now, if you don't need yeah. two, then you would just get the one because it's something that is highly, highly recommended within the park. You just never know if, as you're hiking if you're going to turn a corner and run into a bear. And if that bear is one that has cubs and and she uh, sees you suddenly, she's going to protect her cubs. So it's really highly recommended. So with bear spray, because we learned this when we took our trip several years ago to Yellowstone in Wyoming, you can't bring it on an airplane. So if you're flying into Glacier, 
you're not going to fly into Glacier with bear spray. So you're going to want to buy it when you're there. And then you have to know once you put down that 48 bucks or whatever you spend on it, the bear spray stays in Montana yeah. when you get back on the airplane. Yeah. So it's kind of that insurance that, you know, the more time you spend outdoors hiking, the more you're going to want to have that on yeah. your body. Yeah. And we did come across two bear when we were there, not on hiking trail, but right. I mean, they were close enough they were there. where we know that, mm -hmm. yeah, they're walking around and there was... And there was one, we actually saw one across the lake, very far distance, who did have cubs. Or she mm -hmm. had at least one cub. Yeah. And there was one day when we went on, I think one of our last hikes on the east side where the ranger said that there were sightings on, I think it was the Grinnell, Grinnell Trail. Think, yeah. yeah. So they're out there. When we were talking about food, you know, the other thing I remember when we were planning the trip, there was like one day I was thinking about, I was just trying to play the movie in my head. Okay, we're, we're in Glacier, we're leaving from wherever it is that we're staying, and we're going to want to get to this trailhead or that trailhead early in the morning because parking spaces invariably fill up and there's limited parking spaces. And then I started to think, okay, if we want to hit the parking lot by 8 a.m., what are we going to do for breakfast? And that's when I started looking at, okay, we're staying here. Is there even a breakfast option? And in some cases, the answer was no. And then knowing that once we were going to be on the hiking trail, there wouldn't be any place to stop for lunch. So that was another reason that we ended up getting some of our own food to have with us and not be reliant on restaurants and markets because mm -hmm. they're not always there. Mm -hmm. So that's a few things to wrap your brains around when it comes to planning a trip to Glacier National Park. I think a lot of these types of thought processes can also apply to other national parks as well. But I think, you know, when it comes to the top tips, my main one is going to be plan ahead plan far ahead at least 13 months in advance would be my recommendation on the first of each month the park begins accepting reservations for the entire month of the following year so for example on september 1st they're going to start to accept reservations through september 30th of the following year so when this podcast comes out in, I think it's going to be July 2021, that's when somebody might actually start doing their planning for going to Glacier in August of 2022. You want to start that early. Mm -hmm. And with that... How about some fun facts? How about some fun facts? Those are fun. Did you know the origin of the name Montana comes from the Spanish word for mountainous? Montana. Which is also... The fourth largest state in the United States, but it has the 44th largest population, which means there ain't a lot of people there. And what, so one of the things that we learned is the, I think like the big suburb of Los Angeles that's next door to where we live is a place called the San Fernando Valley. I think a lot of people may have heard about the San Fernando Valley. Again, kind of suburby area of the city of Los Angeles. There are more people that live in the San Fernando Valley, California, than in the entire state of Montana. And we can attest to, as we were driving around Montana, you drive and drive and drive through the state yeah. and you don't see a whole lot of folk. Yeah. yeah. Which is another point. Plan your gas stops appropriately. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That that's because you will go on and on for miles and miles and miles and see nothing. Yeah, and in fact, I think in the park itself, I don't know that there was any gas stations. We there came was across. no gas stations. Everything was outside of the park. Yeah, by Apgar, like right before the Apgar visitor center on the west side, there was a gas station. I think it's like before you actually got into the the gates of the park. Right. right. Yeah, but once you're in the park, I don't think there was anything. Yeah. So yeah, good point yeah. on the gas. Another fun fact, Montana offers almost 28 million acres of public lands, almost 30% of the state's total acreage. And Montana is the only state in America with what is called a triple divide, which allows waters to flow to the Hudson Bay, the Atlantic Ocean, and the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, I remember making that discovery on one of those signs posted, Uh and It was kind of eye-opening. I was like, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, hey, this is our intro to Montana and Glacier National Park. When we get together next time, we're going to talk about packing for a trip to Glacier National Park. And that'll be followed by, we're going to take you on some deep dives of the various things that we did when we were in Montana. So, again, we have lots to share with you. So, we hope you come back. And we'll take you through the adventures that we, uh, we explored and did in Montana. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to hit the subscribe button in the iTunes or your favorite source for podcasts and catch up on our future episodes. Until then, thanks for joining us at the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.